This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insights, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo. Welcome back. Silver and Black today. This is uh, the game day edition. That's right. We're getting geared up for the Raiders going down to Los Angeles, SoFi Stadium to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. And by the way, Mo will be back. Mo Moten stepping out for just a minute. And uh, we're going to welcome in our guests now. And when we want to talk about the Chargers or the Rams, we only go to one place. And that is the the L.A. Football Network, Ryan Dirud, who joins us now. Uh, Ryan, let's talk a little bit about the Chargers. So, I mean, listen, uh, Sunday, this past Sunday, the defense holds in a goal line situation, right? That's new this year for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they win a big game in Minnesota, a game they really needed to have. Uh, talk about a little bit the feeling around this team coming out of that obviously the offense has been putting up big numbers and did again and we'll talk about that in a minute but uh brandon staley gambles again crazy Mm -hmm. this guy i i it's it's crazy to just watch this but anyway he gambles again but this time the defense comes up big uh what's the feeling around the chargers such high expectations as there has been for several years uh, but they got this win. How bad did they need the win, and how much has it meant for not only the Chargers and Staley, but also the fan base there? Well, Scott, first, thanks for having me. As always, always great catching up with you and and love your work. So I always love doing these weekly clashes. But the feeling is <sighs> a huge <laughs> sigh of relief because, as you alluded to, this was an absolute must win. You know, I think we're seeing through three weeks that this Dolphins team in Miami is is pretty dang good. And so, you know, didn't like seeing the defense give up 36 points, but hey, a 36-34 race as it will, you know, you can kind of swallow that now seeing how good the Dolphins are. That week 2 loss was was much more of a gut check because that was a game these Chargers absolutely should have won. Um they had opportunities at the end, the defense had an opportunity to stop them before, you know, having to go over overtime and they weren't able to get it done. And then Minnesota, yeah, they were no 0-2 team, but I think 
this was a battle of two of the best unbeatens in football. When you look at the Chargers and Vikings, both being 0-2, both being playoff teams last year, you know, their head coaches are best friends, both sat at the same table at Coach Sean McVay's wedding. So a, a nice, fun rivalry there. And, and you know, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen played absolutely lights out. Uh, you know, we could get into the running game, which I wasn't a huge fan of how they kind of abandoned that. But when, when Herbert's slinging at 40 or 47, you, you know, you, you go with what's working and the defense, as you alluded to finally came up big, big goal line stand, uh, Staley gambles on that fourth down on their own 24 yard line. Unfortunately, the gamble didn't pay off. I actually didn't hate the decision, but I know a lot of people did, but he put it on the backs of his defense and they came up big at the end there. So, you know, it was one of those where they were able to finally buck the trend of, of charging, if you will, after the last kind of three weeks dating back to the Jacksonville game and, and get back in the win column. So whew, big relief, <laughs> Chargers land, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Staley is not one for uh, people who have weak stomachs. That is to be certain. He is a polarizing figure in the NFL because of that. A lot of folks, a lot of coaches, a lot of, uh, I think, people respected around the NFL who comment on the NFL continue to hammer him for it. Uh, but but it certainly worked for him in this situation. You talked about and mentioned the run game in the offense with the Chargers. Clearly, Justin Herbert just, you know, doing what he's doing. He's the second highest paid player in the NFL for a reason, and he continues to to put up the big numbers. Uh, he's been missing Austin Eckler for the last two weeks, unknown as we record this, uh, if he'll be back, doesn't look like it, right? But not only that, to your point, you miss a big piece like that, it's always going to hurt you, right? But in Minnesota, and we've seen this a couple times this season, it seems as though they go away from the run very quickly. That puts all the pressure on Justin Herbert, who, who stood up and did it, right? You, he, he did what he had to do, uh, but that's not always sustainable, depending on how the game unfolds, depending on matchups and whatnot. What's going on there with the running game? Why do they move away from it so quickly? And what's the answer for them to, to maybe commit to it more and make that offense a little more balanced? Yeah, it, it's a great question. And, you know, back in my glory days of high school, I played receivers. So you think I would love this aired out at all times, but I, I'm more of a, uh, I guess an old spirit where I'm all about the running game. You know, we cover the Rams too. And you see Sean McVay completely abandon the run uh, in that Monday night game uh, against yeah. the Bengals and, and the chargers did this against Minnesota, a Minnesota team that gave up 250 plus yards to the Eagles just the week before. And granted the Eagles are a great running team, but when you see 250 yards in one category, you should probably go after that style of gameplay and style of offense. And, you know, Scott, I don't know. I love Kellen Moore. I love the hire. I think he's a great offensive mind. But we, you know, we saw times in Dallas even where with that double-headed attack with Zeke and Tony Pollard, great rushing attack, and then all of a sudden they'd have Dak sling it 50 times. So it's this new mantra in the NFL. It's almost like, and I, I mean no disrespect because I say many times on my show, I'd never want to pretend to be smarter than these coaches because I'm not. But when you look kind of at common sense, it's almost like sometimes these coaches just want to buck the trend that they have to run the ball. Like they want to prove like I can beat you the way I want to beat you and not through doing it a simple way. Like they almost make it harder than it has to be. Now it helps having Justin Herbert and obviously it worked out for them in this game. And as you mentioned, no Austin Eckler, I did hear as of literally like 10 minutes ago, he is practicing in a small capacity today. Uh, now, I think he's still a ways off from playing, but at least he's padded back in practice. So maybe he's trending in the right direction. But, you know, when you have faith in guys like Joshua Kelly and Isaiah Spiller and Elijah Dotson, who had a tra tremendous preseason and training camp, you know, you like to see more than, what was it, 15 carries. So, you yeah. know, I think those are one of those things you kind of have to get back to. And, you know, against this Raiders team, we'll see if they do that. But, you know, when you have the big arm quarterback and 
and you're paying him 52 million a year, you know, maybe that's just why they decide, you know, this is what we're going to do. And until you stop that, we're going to just do it play after play. And how much of that, Ryan, has to do with the Chargers offensive line? We know they've only given up 24 pressures. It's sixth best in the league. They're also tied with the Raiders of all teams for fifth best as far as pass protection goes. Is there issues up there? I know Lindsley's done well. I know Pipkin's doing well. Maybe uh, uh, at center, there's probably the weak spot there. But are they having issues up front running the ball? Or is it simply them just not committing to it? I think it's just simply them not committing to. I mean, in week one, they ran for over 240 yards against the Dolphins. Um, obviously, having Austin Eckler helped, and I think he broke one for like 50, so that always pads the stats a little <laughs> bit overall. But, you know, and then week two, I think they go up against a front in Tennessee. You know, Tennessee, for all their their shortcomings on offense, I mean, they have probably one of the most underrated defensive fronts in all of football. So, you know, it was a little tough sledding running, but I don't think that was a should have been detrimental to the psyche, I guess, of Kellen Moore and to this, to this offensive line, because this offensive line, you know, has played great through three weeks overall. And, and I think they're, if you ask any offensive linemen, they'd prefer to, to block in the run game than they are in pass pros. So, you know, getting guys like Rashawn Slater and Jeremy Sawyer and, and Zion Johnson, and, and obviously you mentioned Lindsay and Pipkins. I think you want those guys moving bodies up front, making holes for these backs. And it, it gets you kind of into a rhythm, gets your offense in a rhythm. And also, you know, speeds the game up in a way that that keeps your defense off the field and a defense that has struggled. They looked better last week, but obviously we know all the storylines them struggling in two weeks. Like you probably want to make it so you don't have to have them on the field as much. And you do that with the running game. So I don't know the exact reason for it. We'll see if it changes, um, but I definitely don't think it has anything to do with the offensive line, maybe playing at a, a lesser capacity than we expected. Um so we'll see, you know, obviously going up against the Raiders defensive front is probably, you know, a little different. You know, Max Crosby, obviously, that's a storyline we'll get into, I'm sure. But outside of that, I don't, there's probably not a a huge – it's probably leans more on the pro, uh, pro side for the offensive line is what I'm trying to say, outside oh, of yeah. Max Crosby. So they should be able to run the football on, the, on this team. Yeah, the Raiders have not figured out how to pressure the quarterback yet, and that's not good when you have a quarterback who slings it like Herbert does. Now, um, the the defense, we talked about the defense. We talked about some of these – these going dating back to last year, and of course, you know, I won't, I won't be belittle or belabor, excuse me, the the Jaguars game in the playoffs. But clearly, defense has had trouble late in games, um, uh, getting off the field against his team. But you have Bosa, you have Mac, you have uh, Tuli Tulipoloto, the the rookie who's doing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet they're giving up all this yardage on the ground. Now the Raiders with the leading rusher in the league last year and Josh Jacobs, uh, they should be able to run the ball. They have not been able to run the ball. So they're probably looking at this Charger game and saying, wow, okay, finally we're going to face a team. We should be able to run the ball against. What's the issue up front there for the Chargers and being able to stop that run with all that talent they have up front? Yeah, it's so interesting um, because they do have all the talent in in the world. And you look at Sebastian Joseph Day also and Austin Johnson and Morgan Fox has played great. Um, you know, I, one big thing before getting into kind of schematically and maybe gap integrity, but you know, missing Eric Kendricks the last two weeks was certainly certainly a big, um, you know, a big miss, if you will. You know, Kenneth Murray I thought played really well, um, but when you you sign uh, Eric Kendricks, you let Drew Tranquil go in for agency because of it, and not having him those last two weeks I think certainly hurt and was detrimental to stopping the run because that's. The big component of why they wanted to bring him in was was leadership, run stopping ability, side of the sideline presence, and, and whatnot. So, so I think that is part of it. 
the other part, I don't know if it is just, if it's just gap integrity and just not, mm. you know, holding your blocks or, or doing your job, you know, when you have so much star power sometimes, Scott, and, you know, I'm not saying this from a, from an aspect of actually talking to these guys face to face, but we've seen it before when you have so much star power, you know, sometimes everyone wants to play hero ball in a way and not just do their defined role. If they're setting the edge, set the edge. If you're the A gap presence, set, make sure you're in that A gap. And I always go back to the story to last year's defense. And it's so interesting when you look at last year's defense, because they were struggling across the board through the first half of the year. Their big turning point was that Miami game kind of. And then they really up until the Jacksonville game, the defense played different. And the, the reason as interesting as it is, is Derwin James, arguably the best safety in football, certainly probably the best player on this Chargers defense, got injured and goes out. And for whatever reason, the defense played better without Derwin James. <laughs> and I liken it to they found out like, okay, we can't just rely on this all-world guy or we can't all be running all around kind of with like chicken to their head cut off. We have to be gap sound. We have to do our job exactly. And when they did that, they were very successful. So I think part of that in this run defense is maybe guys just not sticking to their exact mantra of what they're supposed to be and trying to do either too much or relying on someone too much instead of just focusing on what's ahead of them. So we'll see if they get that straightened out. Uh, I thought the secondary was better. Last week, I know we haven't got to that part yet, but it certainly mm -hmm. wasn't great still. But when you play Justin Jefferson, you're only going to slow him down so much. And they stopped him in the first quarter, and then he took over after that. But but I think it's just more you know focusing on your job at hand. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because you you now we we turn kind of the page and we look at this matchup between these two teams. The Raiders on offense coming in. This was a team that has the the fifth most cap dollars devoted to the offense. This is why Raider fans are tearing their hair out right now. And of course, Jimmy Garoppolo in the concussion protocol as we speak, not sure he will play, which adds another dynamic, but he's been playing and he hasn't been playing well. 29th ranked offense, clearly not playing well. Uh, but you look at the Raiders, the strength that they've had in the past and should have now is that running game, which we just talked about. But in the passing game, too, Devontae Adams is there, but they've been one-dimensional, getting the ball only to him, Josh Jacobs out of the backfield, a little bit of Jacoby Myers, who missed a game, obviously, with a concussion as well. Uh, when you look at the matchup, you, you on both sides, both fan bases, if I'm a fan of the Raiders, I'm like, okay, Chargers are weak against the run. we got to get a run game going. And if I'm the Chargers, I'm saying, well, these guys aren't moving the ball at all, so this should help us. And if we can key in on... Devontae Adams, and he's not going anywhere else with the ball, and then we should have a good day. What do you see with this matchup and the advantages and disadvantages on the Charger side? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, it's a great, you know, great que question and great thought. And, you know, you would think when you look at all the weapons or, you know, I never want to sound offensive, but or lack thereof that the Raiders have currently, you would think that they would be able to, you know, kind of key in on. Devontae Adams, whether it's a double team, whether it's playing more kind of zone and you know, having a nickel guy over the top or just keeping your safeties deep or whatnot, and at least able to slow him down, which even in in years past, they've had some success and not completely stopping him, but, you know, keeping him somewhat in check, if you will. 
and and then basically being able to key in on this run game as that I think would be the big biggest factor in kind of moving the ball on this on this overall defense. And another big thing, Scott, that I think helped last week in the secondary particularly is the first two weeks they were kind of going through this this four man rotation in corners. And Jalsir Taylor is was kind of the unquestioned starter as maybe people are surprised by that, but he was kind of your unquestioned more kind of your slot nickel corner. And then Asante Samuel Jr., Mike Davis, and J.C. Jackson were all kind of vying for those final two spots. So they kind of were doing this rotation. And in football, any position you play, you really truly need you know consistency. You need to get that lather. You need to have that reliance on who's going to be next to you. You know, play in and play out. And we saw that you know, particularly in that Titans game, that miscommunication and that Traylon Burks deep ball that, you know, allowed them to come back and, and tie that game. And it was just a total miscommunication on the back end. And and last week, JC Jackson was a healthy scratch, whether that was for off the field stuff that came out or, or just football reasons, they stuck with their three guys. And I think it showed a subtle improvement. So I think having that consistency will help. And if they're able to have that consistency going against a dynamic receiver like Devontae Adams, it will at least allow them to keep him in check. Again, you're not going to fully keep him out of the stat sheet. When push comes to shove, I will always take Devontae Adams over a corner, probably to take over a game, but I think they'll be able to at least keep that in check and then really turn their focus on Josh Jacobs and that run game. So I don't know about really answers your question, but I think that's kind of the necessary <laughs> evil of what they'll have to do. Yeah, you no, it absolutely does. And I mean, you look at the the other side of the ball now, the, the Chargers uh, uh, and, and the offense going against this Raiders defense, which, you know, the Raiders defense overall uh, not performing well, especially up front, not pressuring the quarterback. They do have some nice pieces. Uh, the Nate Hobbs uh, uh, matchup with Keenan Allen will be one to watch. It'll be fun to watch, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but you look at that and you say to yourself, okay, the day that Justin Herbert had in Minnesota, coming home to face this 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 Raiders defensive front, um, he's got to be licking his chops a little bit. And I know these two teams, no matter where they are in the season, no matter where their rosters are, for some reason they always seem to play close games. The the teams always seem to play down to one another. Whoever is a better team at the time, it, it's really interesting to me. But but talk about this offense if they do get Eckler back which it's iffy, right? Uh, to your point about him practicing, at least limited. Um, what What is this for, like for them? Are they are they salivating? Are they just ready to go with this one? Yeah, Scott, you know, I, I think you, you kind of have to be and you see what this offense has been able to do uh, throughout three weeks. You know, certainly that hasn't been the overall issue for this team. I thought Justin Herbert's played really well last week, as we alluded to, 40 to 47, 405 yards, three touchdowns. Um, hasn't thrown an interception yet this season. And, you know, again, like kind of said in the very beginning, if you can get the running game going a little bit too, it just adds another facet to this offense that makes it so dynamic. And what everyone talked about in this offseason, adding Kellen Moore, why there's so much excitement around this team and the potential of them being a true Super Bowl contending team. So, you know, looking at this, this Raiders defense that, you know, I think at times has played well, but maybe hasn't played an offense of this necessarily firepower. And you see what you get with Keenan Allen. You know, these past two weeks has been unbelievable. Now, the big thing that we haven't mentioned yet is obviously the big loss of Mike Williams, you know, going down yes. with the L injury, you know, out for the year now. And when Quentin Johnston was drafted in the first round, when Darius Davis was drafted in the fourth round, going to QJ first, there was a lot of chatter is, is this kind of the Mike or Mike Williams replacement. Now I thought they, 
size wise, we're the same, but I think they have enough differences. You know, KJ's a little faster, a little better route runner, can do more stuff kind of out of the backfield uh, than Mike, but but they are, do have similarities, I guess, in play style and size. So this is your first true test in, okay, this draft pick may have not been to replace, but it certainly was to assist in if this injury were to happen, which unfortunately Mike Williams has had a pretty injury riddled career so far in the NFL. So, you know, he's been, I don't want to, he hasn't been involved in the offense, Scott, in terms of, Mm. you know, pitches and uh, showing up in the stat sheet, but he's been involved in terms of actually being on the field, running routes. His, His yard per separation is one of the highest in the league. So he's been getting open. He's been doing everything right. Um, for whatever reason, Justin Herbert's basically just been thrown at Keenan Allen. So, so now though, he'll, he'll need to kind of look Quentin Johnston's way and be able to utilize him just because, you know, he's missing that other big body of Mike Williams. And then the other guy, Joshua Palmer, who basically became pseudo wide receiver one last year when both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were both injured and, and, you know, played well, but just wasn't a true wide receiver one. It was kind of unfair for him, but now he'll kind of slide into that wide receiver two spot. And so far the season has played well. And, you know, I don't expect this offense to, you know, this is no disrespect to Mike Williams, but I don't expect him to miss a huge beat um, just because of the talent and the depth they built in that room for situations like this to occur. So, yeah, you know, typical in Chargers fashion, already big injuries early in the season, Crazy. Um, but we'll see how they overcome going against this defense. Yeah, Parham at tight end, too, is uh, uh, doing well as well. Just a, a nice player, uh, I think. And and for folks in my fantasy leagues, they keep picking them up. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> you look at that. The last thing I want to talk to you about is, is, is not to do with the football side of it. It's to do, again with the stadiums. Now, this is what's ironic because you've been dealing with answering questions about the Chargers and the fans and all that kind of stuff for since they moved back to Los Angeles. But what's interesting, and I'm starting to see this all over the country, not just in these two venues, but last week for Sunday Night Football in Las Vegas, Raider fans, and last year, very upset because so many opposing fans are coming to Las Vegas. Surprise, it's Las Vegas, right? If you're going on a road trip with your buddy to see your favorite NFL team, where are you going to go? You're going to go to a nice destination spot, whether it's Los Angeles with a nice new stadium in SoFi or Las Vegas, of course. So it's happening. Now we're going to Los Angeles to see the Raiders play, and it's going to be you know 50%, 60% Raider fans. Now you saw uh, Saturday night, this past Saturday night, Ohio State and Notre Dame. 40% of the people at Notre Dame Stadium were wearing red. As this secondary ticket market has gone crazy with money, uh, you're starting to see this all over the place and you're seeing it in Los Angeles. Do you guys, are you, are you seeing it more with the Rams too, or is it, is it more so the chargers or is it kind of a mix of the two? Oh, it's a very even mix. Rams fans would admit that, but if you saw the Niner game, uh, just <laughs> last week and any Niner game here, it's, it's all red. So, um, you know, it, it, part of it's to do with the market, part of it's to do with, no teams here for 21 years. Part of it's to do with, you know, when you just talk about Raiders and Niners, there was a huge culture here in LA when there were no teams. And so those were the teams that, that fans, you know, kind of flocked to, if you will. Mm. And so, um, you know, that, that doesn't just stop overnight. You know, Rams and Chargers have been here now seven and six years, I believe, respectively. So it's going to take, you know, a generation almost to kind of change that. But to your point, and this is this is my biggest kind of grievance to this conversation and not at all to you, but just nationally, is for whatever reason when this when this comes up as a conversation, it really only gets brought up as a LA problem, and then now Vegas is kind of getting in that full too. Yeah. But it happens everywhere. everywhere. I mean, 
Pitt, uh, the Niners took over Pittsburgh in that in that first week one game of the Niners Pittsburgh game, and Pittsburgh is a stalwart NFL city. So fans just travel now. It's just the way it is. Whether you live there or not, fans travel. LA is a little different because fans actually live here. I mean, I live by more Niner fans than I do Rams fans. I live by more Raider fans than I do Charger fans. I mean, that's just the way Los Angeles, the fabric is still in LA is just the way that people lived here for 21 years. I moved here in 08. There were no teams here for eight more years while I lived here going to college. And so we would go to Niner bars or we would go to Bronco bars or Seahawk bars. So it's just the way it was. It takes time. But I, yeah, I just don't get why it's always only a, an LA and Vegas conversation, but you see it everywhere. I mean, even the Cowboys see it in their stadium in Dallas. So yes. It's, yeah. just, it's just the way it is now. And it's interesting because when you talk to fans, they get so upset about it. And I understand why, because you love your team. You want your you want your fan base to show out and have that home field advantage. And I'm actually working uh, on a story up on sportsnot.com about this whole thing nationwide, because you're right, Ryan. It's not an L.A. and just a Vegas thing. You're starting to see it in college football, in pro football, even in baseball, right? You go to some baseball mm -hmm. games and you see it. I mean, I lived in San Diego growing up, so I used to see Dodger fans come down all the time because that was proximity. But you're starting to see it as people on a weekend series in any city in the country. If it's a nice city people want to go to, sorry, Cleveland, um, then <laughs> uh, you're going to see people show out. So it's, it's really interesting. Uh, last question before I let you go, and I know we kind of started with this a little bit, but you look at this game, obviously every AFC West game is big. Every game in the NFL is big, but it's an AFC West rivalry. It goes back to the AFL days. Um, Brandon mm -hmm. Staley, uh, with all that has been spoken about his risk taking and all this stuff, um, what does he have to do? Does, is, is he on a hot seat at all here or is the Spanos family okay with Brandon Staley as long as they don't get bounced and don't make the playoffs? Uh, what does his future look like and his longevity as far as his security goes? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I think he's definitely on a, a warm seat. It would have been hotter had he gone 0-3, but winning that game definitely cooled it a little bit and, and able to kind of get back to, okay, focusing now on getting the first one out of the way. Um, but no, it, it's certainly a, a warm seat. You know, I said in the before the season started, Scott, you know, I thought this was a kind of divisional round at least or bust. I don't think if they, if they didn't at least win one playoff game, uh, there'd be some real conversations about moving on. Um, you know, I've been a big... Brandon Staley is a supporter. Um, I think culturally he's done a lot of good things. Now, you can say the culture's changed, but when you look at the how it actually happens on the field, can you really say it's changed? You know, that's an, uh, a subject up for debate. Um, I personally think it has, but yeah, seat's definitely warm. The, the, the city and the fan base is very probably 60% ready to move on. Now, that mm. can obviously change in in two weeks, if they win this game and go into their bye two and two and, and then win again, like that can change very quickly. We know how fans are and and rightfully so. But as of right now, I think that the fan base is a little more ready to move on and, and not to get long winded. But I think that more stems not even from wins and losses, but more stems from him being a defensive guy and the defense is still having the biggest issues yeah. of this team. And yeah. so that's what's got to be fixed the most of the next couple of weeks. Yeah, very interesting um, uh, comparison here, too, because obviously Raider fans are about 80% want to get rid of Josh McDaniels already. <laughs> um, and now Josh McDaniels, though, has a reputation that has preceded him. And not only that, but the, the Raiders are one in five over their last six games dating back to last year. So when you start to think about that, uh, and oh, by the way, he's an offensive guru and your offense is 29th. So, so similar to Staley, just on the other side of the ball. So it's going to be real interesting to watch these two uh, folks with Ohio roots. Of course, Brandon Staley went to the University of Dayton. Um, mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to watch this game. And either way, I think it'll be a battle. We'll see uh, how it all unfolds. 
but we certainly appreciate you being with us. And we also make sure you fire Ryan. You know, a lot of a lot of folks that follow the Raiders, although they hate the Chargers and the Rams, of course, they are USC fans or UCLA fans, LA fans, because there's so many Charger fans in LA that uh, mm. you need to file. Uh, f- excuse me, follow. Let me get it out. Uh, Ryan Dirud, LAFB on X.com. Man, thank you so much. And I'm sure we'll catch up with you down the road as uh, the Chargers get to Las Vegas later in the season. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. And uh, keep up the great work. Glad to be uh, working with you more. All right. I appreciate that. All right. We're going to step aside. I'll get Mo back on and he will join us for the final segment here of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also heard as you're listening to us over the radio on The Bet in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere.